Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to the show. My name is Aspen Meineke. I'm an engineer turned STEM educator, public speaker, and science communication coach. I created the Science Communication Made Easy podcast to not just talk about science communication, but actually give you these simple step-by-step strategies to help you, whether you're looking to get started or wanting to level up your communication skills. So if you want my secrets on all things content creation, public speaking, confidence, how to beat burnout and fight imposter syndrome, this is the place for you. It's time to find your voice and share your story. So let's get started. Hey y'all, what's up? Hope you are doing great. Welcome to episode three, which is getting started in science communication part two. So if you haven't heard part one, go ahead, check it out, and then come back to this. To give you a little recap, refresh, in the last episode we talked about the what and why behind science communication and then the importance of identifying your ideal audience that you are wanting to communicate to. So now that we have the what and the why out of the way, now we need to think about the when. So a question I get asked a lot is when should I do science communication? So I'm going to be honest, I'm going to be real with you guys. Science communication is a 365-day conversation. It shouldn't just happen when they talk about it in the news or during National Scientists or Engineers Week or when you publish a paper. If we want to create lasting change, STEM professionals need to be proactive and not reactive with their communication. You also need to build trust and relationship with your audience. And this is something that cannot be done overnight or by posting one post every three months. If you are frustrated that they are listening to Susan in their mom group instead of you, I want you to think about and be honest with yourself if you have been putting in the time to develop a relationship with your audience so they know that they can trust you and come to you for advice. And in addition to that, you need to build a platform so people know about you. If they don't know you exist, then how do you expect for them to come to you for advice? Now this doesn't mean that you need to be creating content four times a day every day for the rest of your life, but even if you can just post once a week, then you can make a change week by week. All right, now let's transition and talk about content, which is what people will know you for and how people will know you. So what type of content do you want to create? To make a good connection and build that relationship online, you want to make it as human as possible. This is why video and audio are so important. Long gone are the days of just writing a blog because people are real and they want to know real people as well. They want to know you now more than ever. And I want you to think about brands. So when you go to the store, are you going to buy a box of crackers from the giant corporation that makes their food from God knows where? Or are you going to buy the box of crackers from the local farmers coming out of Nebraska that have been using their grandmother's recipe for the last 100 years? While the first might get a lot of purchases because it's well-known and cheap, the second option, although it might get less customers at first, are the ones that are going to have loyal customers at the end of the day. These people are going to talk about the product and essentially become ambassadors for their product because they want the world to know how amazing their ride or die product is. And so you can apply this to your science communication as well. So people connect with real people and stories, not photo editing techniques. People don't like being lectured on things, but people like talking and gossiping with their friends. This is what I call the best friend effect. So instead of coming at people with graphs and charts and data in in hand, which are great, 
but there is a time and a place for it. So instead, I want you to come to your audience when you're getting to know them like you're talking to your best friend. So take an interest in their life and figure out how your knowledge can make their life easier, better, or add some sort of value to it. Another thing to think about is that most people don't actually know what scientists and engineers do unless they have a friend or a family member in that field. Growing up, I had people telling me I should be a scientist or an engineer without actually telling me what they did, and I felt like I was blindly pursuing this career that everyone was telling me to do. And it's kind of like The Wizard of Oz, when you peek behind the curtain, and for some, it think it's going to be one thing and then they peek behind the curtain and it's totally different. But the biggest disservice is that for those students and those people that are looking for a career exactly like what a scientist or engineer does and just doesn't know that they can be found in the STEM fields. So it's so, so important. I can't reiterate this enough. It's so important that we start bringing transparency into STEM and make it inclusive instead of exclusive. And a way we can do this is by making our audience a part of our journey. People are already interested in reality TV when it comes to hearing about other people's lives. So imagine how they'll feel when following something that can actually change and impact their life. I think they'll be pretty excited. So the two types of formats that I think about for science communication are written and then you have verbal and visual. So first I'll talk about the written format and all the different options that you can do. So for the written format, I would say your top two social media platforms are going to be Instagram and Twitter. So Twitter, I've seen a huge science communication audience on there and the same with Instagram. And what I've seen is that some people do really good on Twitter and not Instagram. And some people, like myself, I do better on Instagram than Twitter. I have yet to figure this out. If you have an idea, let me know. Send me a DM. But these are some great ways to create small amounts of content. Especially in Instagram, you can consider that as micro-blogging. So blogging, nobody really reads blogs anymore because nobody has the time or the attention span, let's be real. And so with Instagram, you know, instead of spending your time creating this five paragraph blog post, you can create five smaller Instagram posts that are broken up into small chunks that people will actually read. And then by breaking it up, it will give them time to actually absorb that information. Twitter is the same way, but you have a character restriction with that. So for Twitter, you could take, you know, an Instagram post and break that up into five tweets to make even more content. But if you are still wanting to do a blog or long form written content, instead of owning your own blog and paying for a website hosting fee and, you know, doing all those logistics and setting that up, I would say post your blog posts on platforms like LinkedIn, Facebook, or Medium.com because they already have the platform set up. They have the people coming to their website. And so this is a great way to grow your platform and get traffic to your content if you're just starting out. Because if nobody knows you, then nobody knows to go to your website, if that makes sense. Another thing to think about is writing for magazines and being a content creator for those bigger uh, corporations. They're always looking for people to write articles for them. And so think about doing some freelance writing as well for whatever the field of expertise you live in. All right, now for the verbal visual field. So this is anything with video or podcasts. 
So for video-wise, YouTube is a great option. However, YouTube can kind of be this giant monster of a project if you don't have experience in video editing, video production. So if you if YouTube is like really intimidating for you, I would say to try out IGTV first. IGTV is so underrated because you can upload longer videos and still create content like that, but it's there's not as much pressure, right? You don't need it to be super edited like you do on YouTube, and there's less competition, and you can also host it on your Instagram page. So instead of having a YouTube and Instagram, and you're, you're on every single platform, you can just be solely on Instagram and still get a lot of good content produced. And then on top of that, Instagram, you can tell I'm a big fan, also has Insta stories. So these are little clips. They're usually, I think, like 60 seconds or less. You upload them to your, you know, little icon at the top. And these are really great for documenting, you know, your life, your day-to-day. You can do like a daily tip of the day or some sort. And this also helps you practice getting comfortable in front of the camera and talking, right, about your content. Because talking about something is very different than writing about it. Also, the up-and-coming platform, TikTok, it's really huge right now. I know they're wanting more science and uh, like STEM content out there. So if you're on TikTok and that's you know, a platform you enjoy, um, start making science content from them. When thinking about what platform to pick, I would think about what do you have the most fun doing and what do you enjoy doing because then you're going to be posting more often instead of you're like dragging yourself to write this blog post when you hate writing. So this should should also be fun for you and you should play to your strengths. And then last but not least, we also have podcasts. And so podcasts are audio only like I'm doing now. And, you know, if you're wanting to do any sort of public speaking, I would say this is a great way to practice again talking about your content. Also, if you're a little camera shy and you don't like talking in front of the camera, podcasts are a great way to start training yourself to talk about your content without, you know, being in front of the camera and all of that. And then last but not least, the one offline option I have to verbal and visual is doing outreach presentations in your community. This is so important, giving back and helping the people directly, you know, in your community, in the schools that you live near are so, so important and I know really, really needed. I will make a separate podcast episode about this. If you guys are interested, let me know. Send me a DM on Instagram at ASP Engineer. So I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode and I hope this can give you a clear path on how to get started in science communication and how to find your place in this kind of wild west of a world. It's still really, really new and it's still being developed. So don't be afraid to be creative and try your own thing. If you love this episode, please screenshot it and tag me on Instagram, again, at ASPEngineer, and use hashtag sciencecommunicationmadeeasy. Also, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review and tell me what you loved most about this episode. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button to be alerted when I post new episodes every single week. Also, I have a free online community for women in science communication where we network, motivate each other, send tips and tricks. So if this is something you're interested in, I'll have a link in the show notes. And you can also search women in science communication on Facebook. Just request to be added to the Thanks for listening and I will see you next week.